just realizing that consistency doesn't look like perfection. Consistency uh, looks yes. like <laughs> like the all all or nothing black and white thinking and just replacing that with like, okay, um, I'm not gonna be on my game all the time. Hi, my name is Brady and I'm a longtime fitness professional and Midwest girl turned mountain living hiking addict. In combining my knowledge of fitness and passion for hiking, I've helped hundreds of women get lean and strong for the trails. Think of this as your one-stop shop for both education and inspiration on all things female wellness, trail talk, and adventure. Hiking, female metabolism, motherhood, nutrition, travel, and fitness are all topics you'll hear discussed here. If you are outdoorsy and active, looking to level up your health, unlock your potential, and become inspired to live your most vibrant life, you're in the right place. You're listening to the Fit for Hiking podcast. All right. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Fit for Hiking podcast. This is a really exciting day because we have a guest on today. I'm going to be chatting with Stevie. Um, you might know her on Instagram as Stevie Wanders, and she is just a badass hiker, backpacker gal in the kind of fitness and outdoorsy space. Um, so I'm really excited to chat with her today. Thanks so much for being on here today, Stevie. I'm super stoked to be here. Thanks, Brady. Yeah, so we are kind of going to get into a couple different topics. There's so much that I want to unpack because you have such a unique and interesting story and um, have gone through a lot and, you know, can probably relate to a lot of our listeners um, just in some of the struggles that a lot of us go through, um, but not everybody voices them and shares about them. So that's something I really appreciate, appreciate about you and how you um, show up on social media. Um, but there's a couple different topics that we're going to talk through today, um, sobriety being one of them and your journey with addiction, um, as well as fitness and kind of like your path with um, how that has really been quite healing for you and adopting a healthy lifestyle, as well as your um, experience outdoors and how that's also helped um, throughout your sobriety journey. So um, first, if you could just tell us a bit of a background on you and if you're willing to share kind of how things first got started for you with like drugs and alcohol, that would be a really awesome place to start. Absolutely. Um, so I, well, I kind of want to go back like all the way back. Cause I do yeah. feel like the most impacting part of our lives is kind of in that like early, early stages from three years old to eight years old. And that's where we kind of get the majority of our traumas and kind of how we live out our lives. We all learn from that kind of space. Um, so I was kind of a, a bad, I don't want to say bad kid, but I was always kind of doing things to get my parents' attention, which would be deemed bad, like a brat, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I was always in things I shouldn't have been, but... I think that was because I really just wanted my parents' attention. Like I wanted them to kind of give me that validation that they wanted me around, kind of. Like I was always searching for it. And uh, I guess I kind of never got it. Um, my parents were really young when they had me. I think my mom was only about 20 years old. Wow, okay. And um, they divorced when... I was five and leading up to that, like, I didn't see what love was at all. You know, I saw everything that love was not supposed to be. So that imprinted on my mind a lot growing up that love was bad. 
like I didn't want love at all mm. and um during the divorce it was super messy so my dad I have a younger sister as well so they fought kind of over the both of us mm. um but my dad really wanted to have me so it was a lot of fighting a lot of back and forth like a lot of chaos when I was very young um getting moved back and forth my dad lived in the same province still but it was about 12 hours away so oh, I was wow. yeah so I would go and live for a few months with him and then I'd go back and live with my mom for a few months so I was always kind of getting tossed back and forth and never really having a chance to build those like core relationships with anybody because I just didn't have the time to invest in those so I didn't have a ton of friends growing up just just because I moved around a lot yeah and I think just from that like my mom was really young and didn't really have any education it was a kind of a traditional you know husband and wife stay-at-home mom um dad was away working um so when they split she really didn't have a lot of options for how she could survive basically like I remember being um going with her to like her serving job and being kept in like uh just a little booth with my coloring book so I'd always go with her to work she worked three different jobs growing up just to support me and my sister so it was really like heartbreaking but also I obviously I didn't realize it at the time but looking back I'm like damn like how hard that would have been for her and I think our parents now I know that they did did the best they could with what they knew and how they were right mm -hmm. um but um you know my mom was always uh doing like she was never very happy with her body she was always doing like those fad cycling diets you know always um like boyfriend choices not the best <laughs> kind of um but as we as I got older that's kind of what I saw was um you know those kind of empty toxic relationships and moving around a lot and um just leaving when things got hard so we'd move from kind of place to place to place uh after she would leave a relationship and so that's kind of like all I knew. So once I started getting older around, I would say 10 and 11 was when I first got introduced to that world. Mm -hmm. And I just had the lowest self-esteem, like lowest self-confidence. And that was unfortunate because the people who I ended up making friends with were the ones that you know drank and did lots of drugs because they were the most welcoming they made me feel important yeah and like like I belonged so I thought they were the best people in the world mm -hmm. <laughs> right off the bat right and as a 11 12 year old it's like all you want is validation I feel like at that age so if that's where you're getting it it makes sense why you would be like okay these are my people yeah yeah exactly and um so the first time that I got drunk, I was 11 and I just, I just genuinely liked the way it made me feel. It made me forget about all the pain and emotions. It was just like this numbing kind of oasis that I was, I started chasing after that. Yeah. Um, 
the first time, the first drug that I had actually gotten into was methamphetamines. Mm -hmm. And I first tried those when I was 13 years old. So I was very, very young uh, yeah. when I first got introduced. And that kind of led down a very long, sad path for me. I left home and I just pretty much couch surfed for years, years and years and years. And I didn't stop until I was in my late 20s. So it was a very long, yeah. long journey with that. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm sure that's pretty heavy to unpack. So I appreciate you being willing to share. Um, so what was the like rock bottom or like turning point for you in your late 20s? Uh, of course, it was a boy. <laughs> of course. I, yeah. Um, so I was actually in Kelowna, BC, uh, visiting some friends and we were at a bonfire and um, this guy ended up showing up and I was just like, oh my God, as soon as I saw him, he was super tall and charming and like had the bluest eyes I'd ever seen in my life. I was just, and at this point, like I was still very overweight. I didn't have a lot of self-confidence and he started to pay attention to me. Like I thought for sure, like, this is what people are talking about. I just met my soulmate. Mm -hmm. And little did I know at the time, like I had just made the most intense trauma bond of my entire life. Mm -hmm. We were pretty much inseparable for, it wasn't a long period of time. I'm going to say about five months. And there was a lot, like, I want to be super honest about it because there was a lot of extra stuff thrown in there. Like um, I found out uh, he had a wife, which was, I know. And like, looking back on it, I feel very, very ashamed of it. But that plays a huge role in kind of what happened. So I do want to share that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, he of course told me that he was leaving her they were just in the midst of a separation and yeah. um I believed him of course mm -hmm. and there was just this night that we were together and I had overheard them on the phone and I realized or him and his wife sorry and I just I realized that he had lied to me about everything and at the time I felt like my whole earth just like shattered and so I did end up trying to end my life with an, an overdose. Like that was my plan. And so that was kind of the pivoting moment where everything changed because I did end up surviving it. And I remember the doctor was like, you know, not very many people get to experience this, this second chance. It really is a miracle. And sorry, I can cry. No, I'm about to cry. <laughs> And he really, like that moment, it was almost like like a switch. Like I just really felt like I had been given just this second opportunity at life. And yeah, that's kind of how it all unfolded from there. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> so many layers to that. I wish we had like hours to, to just like talk all about this. but. <laughs> Um, so what was that rebuilding phase like for you then after, you know, you felt like you had this new lease on life, like, where do you go from there? It, 
it's hard to explain because in that moment and the aftermath of that, it was, I did, had no idea. I obviously, like, I didn't have any friends. I knew I had to not hang out with any of those people anymore. And I was very alone. You know, all my relationships with my family were broken. So I didn't really have a lot of support to lean on. But when I was newly in recovery, I was always pulled to the mountains, like back when um, I'd hang out with my dad when I was a little kid, he'd always take me on these crazy adventures. And I guess I just felt like I had to go back there. Um, my therapist uh, told me that in when we're newly in recovery, we tend to go back to the last time that we ever felt really happy. So I guess that was that was my my core memory of the last time that I was truly kind of whole. So with no experience at all, really, since I was like a tiny little child, but I just felt called to the mountains. So I would go hiking to kind of deal with my emotions because I no longer had those crutches to help me get through it. And I, I think that was, that was the hardest part because all of a sudden, you know, you have 20 years of baggage with nowhere for it to go. And when I was out in the backcountry alone, it was like, I was really scared, but at the same time, it kind of forced me to sit in it and just be scared. Yeah. And that in its own really helped me build that self-confidence to show up for myself and be there for me. And that was kind of the aftermath of that. I, I spent a lot of time alone in the woods, basically. <laughs> great form of therapy I'm sure <laughs> yeah I mean I wouldn't recommend going about like a recovery detox that way I would yeah <laughs> to do that but that's the route route I chose and yeah it it was definitely so I don't know how it was when you grew up but I feel like having emotions and talking about your feelings was almost frowned upon mm. like I'm in my mid thirties now. So like, I remember always feeling like there was something really wrong with me for having those deep feeling emotions. Yeah. And like, yeah. And like, I couldn't possibly tell anybody about them because they were, I felt that they were wrong. Like there was something wrong with me. So dealing with that was probably the hardest part yeah. of the aftermath for sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like whether people have dealt with what they would label as an addiction or not, we all have these like crutches that we tend to go to um, just to avoid feeling our feelings. Um, it's just, I mean, we all do it. And so I think it's such an important thing to talk about because being willing to sit in your emotions and actually like deal with the things and removing those crutches is such a vulnerable place but it's I feel like the only way to actually move forward it really is and it is it's terrifying but once you say it out loud and I I think that this is why I have shared so much in about my recovery and stuff on social media publicly like that is because it does help to just say it out loud 
Yeah. And to have people be like, you're not alone. And, you know, it, it helps, it helps me to kind of let that power, like it has a lot of power over you until you say it out loud. And then it's like, oh. Yeah. And you never know truly who your story can impact, um, you know, years down the line. Like, it's amazing how our, like, darkest moments or the moments that we feel shame over or the things that really, like, we wish wouldn't have happened to us can actually do so much good later on in the lives of others. And I think that that's really comforting because sometimes it's like, why did I have to go through all this stuff? But, But there is, like, a purpose behind it. It really is. It sounds cheesy as hell because you always hear about it, but it's not. Yeah. It's like I always, I always say, uh, we connect more in our pain than we do in our like happiest moments. It's yeah. always in the in the worst moments of our lives that we have that connection to other people. Yeah, and so similarly, like even in the presence of social media, like I don't really feel like I know people who just share their happy moments, their super staged photos. I feel like I actually know, like even before this conversation, this is the first time you and I have talked face to face. We've messaged and commented and stuff like that. But I actually feel like I know you already because you actually have shared really big, deep pieces of your life. And so I feel like it's hard to really feel connected to people unless they're willing to kind of show you a peek behind the curtains of just the the really pretty moments. Absolutely. And I... I do think that there's a huge shift happening in the world where that's becoming more uh, prevalent, which is nice to see. It's nice to see real people going through real struggles because it makes you feel like, oh, that's normal. Or, oh, like (laughs) I'm not alone and experiencing these things. And it's- Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so kind of shifting gears a bit, but obviously this is a part of your story. You mentioned- like dealing with being overweight and you've had such an amazing health and trans health and fitness transformation. So would you tell us just a little bit about what that was like in the process of recovery and, you know, getting involved in outdoorsy type activities as well? Totally. Totally. Yeah. So I was always overweight ever since I was a little kid. Um, There was no health and fitness in my entire family besides fat the fad dieting and the yo-yo diet cycling um but like you were saying before with any addiction I also had an addiction to food that is another way that I've masked um my feelings so growing up I with along with drinking and substance abusing them away I, I also ate them away so by the time that I was that event that kind of pivoted everything for me um I was over 300 pounds so I was not to put a number on the weight but I was severely um unhealthy and just unhappy um so when I did start hiking after uh in my early recovery I realized that I wasn't going to be able to do it without investing some time into my fitness and health routine and really learning what that looked like um the journey in that was messy as well I it I started out 
with no experience, no knowledge. You know, I'd go to the gym and I'd run on the treadmill for an hour and then I'd go home or I'd do terrible form weightlifting and be so scared, like in the weight section that I'd only stick to the machines. Like I really was very insecure to be there. Yeah. Um, but that eventually went away. Uh, I ended up getting into powerlifting, which didn't make a lot of sense with being <laughs> an outdoor <laughs> athlete at all. Um, so I went down that road and then it was only about four, three, four years ago that I started actually investing time and energy into endurance specific training. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's interesting, you know, like that you, it's hard, like a bodybuilder for an example or a power lifter and then taking an endurance athlete, like it's all going to be completely different. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, exactly. And this is something that we see with, like, I've experienced this personally where I was like working out all the time and then it wasn't translating <laughs> to what I was doing in the outdoors at all. I still felt <laughs> so winded and like really slow and on the struggle bus. And so, yeah, it's I'm sure that you relate. <laughs> like it's, it's a totally different ball game when you're training specifically for being in the outdoors. It is. Yeah. Um, and in terms of weight loss, I, I dropped a ton of weight the first year. Um, so I dropped over a hundred pounds in a year. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, I'd like to say that, that I was super happy and stoked with my body after that. And I was, you know, really just had a better outlook on life, but it almost had the opposite effect. I kind of went backwards in that area like my training became a form of punishment almost Mm. and I really it's interesting because I had lost so much weight but I felt almost worse than I did before so I think that it can go you know training with a purpose definitely helps and just knowing that your worth isn't tied to a specific body type yeah that that doesn't equal happiness it's yeah. Yes. I like I on a very much like smaller scale, you know, I haven't had quite the transformation that you have, but I've definitely fluctuated weight over the last 10 years. And, and what I've noticed is that I am no more happy with my body when I'm like my lowest weight versus my highest weight. If I'm not really intentionally focusing on like just being content from a mental standpoint with where I'm at and it has to start there like if if we're just always obsessed with being better being thinner being whatever from a physical standpoint we're very very rarely ever going to be satisfied because even when you do reach your goal weight quote unquote I was just talking with a lady today who was interested in my coaching program and she's lost 180 pounds and she was like now I'm so scared of gaining weight that I can't even like enjoy where I am so it's it's just so interesting like how it's a never-ending journey and it has to like start with um like that intrinsic contentment and peace with our bodies regardless of where we are on the scale and really focusing on something that's not just about making our bodies smaller with our workouts exactly and it really is it's frustrating but it everything comes back to your mental like your mindset around 
and your perception and like just that shift can change everything yeah absolutely so how did you get to this place now where you are so much more like confident in your skin seemingly I'm sure you know we all have our days and we all have our moments where that might not be the case but now you are you know killing it in the mountains and in the backcountry coaching other women in fitness like how did you get to this place what was that like oh uh, it's it's been a wild ride you know it, <laughs> it's funny looking back because when you're in that you know worst stage of your life rock bottom like you said it's kind of like why the hell is this happening to me like what why did I get dealt this hand of cards like what did I do to deserve this yeah and looking back on it now it's like holy shit like that actually really did need to happen in order for me to make all these mistakes over the last eight years back and forth you know um messing up and figuring it out in order to realize like damn because of this journey like I can help people who were in this who are going through what I went through like I can genuinely like fast track that experience for people and I'm like that's insane like mm -hmm. so I think everything leading up to this point was just it, it was almost like stepping stones like messy like all the way around no not a straight line at all but it yeah it was it's just crazy how when you look back it's like damn it just all has a purpose it all and, had meaning yeah yeah personally, like I would rather learn from someone who can actually relate to like the really messy parts of my own story or my own struggles versus the the coach who like appears to have it all together and they've always had it all together like I don't know like to me that's more relatable and I don't know if you've ever struggled with like imposter syndrome around being a coach but like I've definitely dealt with that where I'm like man sometimes I feel like I don't look the part enough whatever that even means I've definitely had those thoughts over the last decade working in fitness especially when I've like fluctuated weight and I don't feel like I have it all figured out um, it makes me feel like invalid as a coach like oh my gosh how can I ever help anybody when I'm like not perfect myself but then I think about that from a logical standpoint I'm like wait a minute like first of all no one has it all figured out but also I probably am a lot more approachable than someone who is like two percent body fat and has never struggled <laughs> with anything like I would want to work with someone who struggled so maybe other women feel that way too totally it's, it's funny you said that I'm pretty sure I've literally said those exact words to a friend on the phone like two days ago because <laughs> <laughs> you do and like who decided because I was like I feel like I don't look like a personal trainer and they were like what the hell does that even look like <laughs> like what <laughs> you know who <laughs> yeah so I agree for sure I and I do have that feeling often because I was you know so overweight for so long I still have that mentality that that is what people see when they look at me yeah and That's it's hard to shake it's hard to break that self-perception absolutely absolutely it is yeah so okay so much like there's just so much I wish we could like I said talk for hours but what would you say your biggest lessons have been like in all of these different struggles all of the things that you've been through your sobriety journey your fitness journey getting into the outdoors what would you say your biggest lessons have been for anybody listening today 
so my lessons <laughs> there's like <laughs> there's a lot so I believe like I believed for a long time that if I worked hard enough and I did enough personal development and I started a successful business doing something I loved and I got the body I dreamt of and climbed the highest mountains that I would eventually get to this space of like complete peace. Like I'd get to this moment where the puzzle pieces just all fit together and clicked and everything made perfect sense. And I didn't have to put in the work anymore. And the biggest lesson for me was that accomplishing these big goals, like wasn't what I thought it would be. Mm. because it really and this is another totally cheesy thing that I used to want to punch people in the neck when they said it right <laughs> but like you won't be happy accomplishing these things unless you're already working on yourself and being happy with where you're at right now yeah so, and I definitely so we're never like a going to arrive at this like you know, non-existent place of like, I've made it now. Like now all my problems are gone because I've achieved X, Y, Z. Exactly. And the, like, you can't work, travel, adventure, you know, quit your job and all of a sudden arrive at this place of happiness. Like it doesn't work yeah. with external things like that. And it's so frustrating and it's for sure a lesson I've had to learn over and over and over again. Um, but that's with everything like fitness relationships, um, starting a business, like it's just none of it matters unless you're working on just being okay with where you are. You know, nothing will ever be enough unless you're enough kind of where you're at right now. It has to start there. Like I always think about, especially fitness with that, because so many women who come through the program they want to like begin from a place of like really disliking where they're at, their bodies, all these things. But almost always we end up just spinning our wheels unless we start from a place of like, you know, I've accepted myself. I just want to like better myself, but I don't hate myself <laughs> like, yeah. to start there. And I've done, I made that mistake myself for years. Like you were talking about like punishing, trying to punish my body into being um, more acceptable to myself and it just really doesn't work that way <laughs> no it doesn't and I always like I always say like who decided that that was the definition of what beautiful looks like like mm -hmm. was it a man it was probably a man that was like you know you're only worthy if you have a six-pack and a big fat ass and like big boobs <laughs> and like so like that's what we're basing what we want off of it's so like oh right. it's just yeah it's so true okay so kind of along those same lines what would your advice be for somebody who is maybe in a similar place like at the beginning of a fitness journey really wanting to make some moves to improve their health but feels like super overwhelmed and not really sure where to start my advice would be hire a dang coach <laughs> yes. no but I think like my best piece of advice I could give anybody would be to just take messy action and to not allow the idea that you have to be perfect in order to accomplish this. Because I do find even with a lot of my clients, like a lot of their past has been like, you know, they'll do really good for two weeks with what they think they should be eating. And then they're so hungry that they end up falling off 
track for like two full weeks and yeah and then they get back on and it's like this repetitive cycle of almost like um like I can't think of the word right now for some reason depriving that's the word I'm looking for depriving and then binging so that constant cycle of that always kind of leaving somebody in the same place um yeah so just realizing that consistency doesn't look like perfection consistency Uh looks like (laughs) like the all all or nothing black and white thinking and just replacing that with like okay um I'm not gonna be on my game all the time like so I ate shitty one day that's okay just kind of keep going the next day like you don't need to give up on yourself just because you had a bad day um yeah and just yeah <laughs> there's so much that I want to say about this because I've just been thinking about this so much lately because I run into this you know first of all with myself like I think that tendency is in all of us to like um be very all or nothing with this sort of thing but I've definitely seen it with so many clients it's such a struggle where it's like um man I don't even know how to phrase this it's like okay they think okay I signed up for a program now I will be perfect <laughs> and it's like even if you have a coach like you're still going to like have what most people would deem as like off days or off weeks or, um, you know, there's going to be life stuff. And when we label things as like on or off or like good or bad, or I was like on the wagon or off the wagon, that's when we like derail ourselves more than actually being off the wagon, so to say, um, because we assume that like, if we're not doing four workouts a week and like eating in how we picture as like a healthy diet 24 seven, that we are off. And yeah, there's no point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is what holds people back from seeing progress more than literally anything else, because it's this vicious cycle of, okay, if I'm off, I'm going to really be off and I'm not going to do anything. And what I was thinking about this the other day, because for being a a health coach and a personal trainer, I feel like I've been like what most people would label as like off the wagon more than I've been on the wagon for like probably the past year, like having a baby, lots of travel, starting like my business really ramping up, hiring a team. Like I don't work out that much anymore. I used to be what probably more people would refer to as like on um, a lot more in the past as far as workouts and having a picture perfect diet and being on this super consistent routine, like that hasn't really happened for me. I don't go to the gym anymore. I do at home workouts mostly like maybe two to three times a week. And then I go for walks and hikes and my diet's definitely not what most people would label as like perfect, but I've actually like felt a lot happier in my body, less inflammation. Like I'm fitting in my clothes perfectly fine. Like I'm happy with where I am, but if I had just been like, well, because I had a baby or because I was on bed rest in my pregnancy or because we've been traveling or because I'm focusing on my business, all these things, like I just can't right now. So I'm just going to say, screw it and do nothing. I think that's the tendency. Right. And so this is such a long-winded like sidebar, but I've just been thinking (laughs) about this so much lately because it's such a prevalent discussion that I'm having with clients of like, I know that right now, like you have a bit of an injury or you have, um, like a ton of work travel or whatever, but like, what can you do? Like, what can we focus on 
even if it's not perfect, like we can't just abandon ship the second that things become busy because there's literally never going to be a season of your in your life where like there's no, just not. nothing going on and it's this perfect like perfect time for you to do yeah. everything the right way. Like that's like I think in our minds we think if we start a fitness program or we wait until this like non-existent time that that's when it will happen. And it's like this is just not realistic. No, it's, it's not. It, yeah. And it's all about sustainability, right? Like people have in their minds with the black and white thinking, yeah, like it has to be drastic in order for it to work. Yeah. It really doesn't. It really doesn't have to be these huge, big moves. It's these little tiny habits that you make non-negotiable every single day that you do that yeah. is going to have the most impact. And like you said, you don't have to go to the gym every day or do workouts every single day or eat the best, like eat on point every single day because that's not that's not real life either yeah so, so yeah yeah that's such good advice I think we all need to have that reminder but especially if you are starting out or you just feel like I don't even know where to start there's so much information out there like truly taking like the smaller steps that are like very unflashy unsexy of just like really getting serious about a step goal every day and I was just gonna say that yeah like it sounds like so whatever but like walking is so underrated for like weight loss and weight maintenance and your mood and balancing your um cortisol and all these different things so many benefits beyond just how you look and then working out like one day a week like just start working out one day a week I think we feel like oh I have to start and I've seen this even like with my um, my sister is a good example of this where like, she doesn't work out ever at all. Like she's just never been an exerciser. She's always been like super teeny, even though she never works out. Um, but she always is like, okay, I'm going to start working out four days a week. And I'm like, Bailey, just all right, we're just do one, do one day because every time she starts trying to do four days a week, she gets so sore. And then she stops every single time. Like, what can you actually realistically do for a one month every week? do that. And then we'll build on it. Like, let's start really small and then go from there instead of like trying to swing for the fences and then feeling like a failure, which is what so many of us do with our health efforts. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It really is. I don't know if you've read um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I haven't, but so many people have mentioned that book. I obviously, I just need to read it. (laughs) It's good. Like, and and it is, it's like, because people think of a fitness goal in this very short time span, like we were kind of talking about before, is like it's a lifelong journey. You don't get to this point where all of a sudden you don't need to work out at all anymore or you do <laughs> yeah. things. Like, like it's these tiny little steps that you create that all of a sudden just one day become second nature and you don't even have to think about it. Yeah. And the little things, it's not the big, huge, grand, like, yeah, flashy things. And it's just the tiny, tiny little habits. Yeah. My clients that are successful and just continue to crush it and impress me so much are the ones that um, don't say, okay, well, because we're going through like a job loss in our household or because we're moving or because I was sick for two weeks or I had this injury setback, I'm just going to like I just can't do anything. I I'm off. I'm ghosting. I'm not going to check in on the app. Like, you know, it, and that's, it's hard because mentally it's like, we feel like if we can't show up 100%, then 
that we're already failing, but the, it could not be further from the truth. Like truly just mm-hmm. figuring out, okay, yeah, I can't, maybe I can't work out right now. What can I do? That's still going to like move the needle for my weight loss goal or for my health goal or whatever it might be that you're trying to work on. Um, it's just, it makes such a massive difference. Even when we feel like it might not be enough. I think the like fitness world and marketing tactics and all these things make us think if we're not doing the most, if we're not doing all these like intense extremes that we're not doing enough. And I think that that feeling of not doing enough is really um, toxic because it just, it makes you abandon ship instead of just doing what you can in that season. Yeah. And that's absolutely, you know, that's what it all comes down to is the feeling of like not being or doing enough. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's unfortunate because it's that's one of my most prevalent struggles till still to this day is that like I always feel like I'm not doing enough and it mm-hmm. always yeah it's <laughs> it's so frustrating so it's like why can't I just celebrate my accomplishments or why can't I just be happy for myself and it's like that deep-seated kind of feeling that it's like okay like I'm not good enough or I don't I'm not worthy of these things because it was just luck or it was you know Mm -hmm. yeah and it's it gets better with time for sure (laughs) but it's always gonna be there yeah yeah. I think whether it's like in your career or in your life path or in your health journey our culture unfortunately this day and age is very like okay, you did this, now what? Okay, you did this, now what? It's like always the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And so then it does kind of make you feel like I'm just not doing enough. There's no way I'm doing enough. Um, And it makes it hard to ever just be happy (laughs) with the progress that you have made um, or be content with like in this season of life, this is all I can do. Like I've had to really be honest with myself about that in my fitness journey. Like, yeah, I could get really motivated one moment and say like, I'm going to start going to the gym five days a week. But like right now with where I'm at in my business and in motherhood, like that really just is not going to happen for me. And I've had to just accept that. And if I was constantly feeling like, because I wasn't, I was a failure. And that was the bar that like, if I'm not doing that, then I'm not doing enough. Then I would always feel crappy about myself. So I think that mental calibration of like, what is realistic for me right now where I'm still pushing myself a little bit, but I'm not like setting this ridiculously unrealistic standard for this season of life. Like there have been seasons of life where I was able to go to the gym five days a week and crush it. And that's great. And I think having those seasons and taking advantage of those is amazing, but that's not going to be every season. And we have to like be realistic about that for ourselves. For sure. Absolutely. And like what you just said is like, it really is in the accepting of that that changes everything mm-hmm. it's just being okay that that is how life is right now and that makes such a difference because so, it allows us to kind of like let go of that as like okay <laughs> yes definitely yeah. well it, sorry go ahead oh no I was just gonna say something on the like yeah the I'm going to call it an addiction to achievement is definitely glorified in this day and age for sure. It's so true. I constantly go back and forth between like really wanting to focus on personal development and feeling like, okay, yes, like I'm really into like, how can I, you know, really streamline like my habits and how I spend my time and be like progressing. But then sometimes just feeling so exhausted by that and being like, 
right now, like maybe I don't want to focus on personal development. Maybe I just want to be okay with where I'm at. And I think that's a never ending like balance of life is like really being able to decipher when is it time to focus on personal development and really be honest with ourselves of like, okay, I really need to get my crap together in this department because we we do need to do that sometimes, but then other times needing to really just be content and say like, wow, I've come a long way. And how can I just show myself some grace instead of feeling like I constantly have to be better in myself in every single area, every single day. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. That's the killer right there. It's just, yeah. Especially in the age of social media where you're seeing, I mean, it can be really inspiring. I think depending on the type of day you're having, right? Like when you're in that headspace of wanting to work on yourself, it's really inspiring. And I love following along with people who are sharing, you know, their really solid daily habits, their workouts, things like that. Um, But then on the days where I'm just feeling drained and exhausted, I'm like, I don't need to see this right now. It's just making me feel bad about myself. So I I have to kind of filter it out sometimes and decide like, where am I at right now? And is scrolling social media even going to be a benefit to my mental health in this moment different topic yes. for another day. <laughs> I know totally same with like I fell into the trap of like oh everybody's moving into a van and <laughs> hiking and traveling full time and like in order for me to be happy that's what I need to do so I did oh. it and I'm like oh my god like this didn't fix my problems at all no <laughs> instead you just have all these different problems <laughs> new problems it's like this fucking sucks <laughs> it's funny yeah, uh, yeah social it's media very true when we were living in the van I mean we're totally off on a different tangent but when we were living in the van I was like wait a minute this is not what it's not glamorous this is not at all what what it's cracked up to be I think it's a bit overrated I'll say it I probably should just do a whole different episode on the reality of van life because it's such a big topic right now but yeah it's just so true. <laughs> Social media always makes you think that you should be doing something other than what you're currently doing. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's it right there. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, for this sure. has been so awesome. I wish we could talk more, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your personal story. I know that this is going to be a very impactful and inspiring episode for our listeners. And where can people find you and connect with you and maybe learn about what you're doing now? Um, so Instagram is my main source of like, uh, social media platforms. Uh, I do also have a women's only hiking group for North America as well. That's free to join if any ladies would like to, um, be a part of that. Um, that's awesome. But yeah. So what's your, what's your social handle? And we can link it in the show notes too, but what's your social handle so people can connect with you? Uh, it's Stevie Wander. Perfect. Just, yeah, S-T-E-V-I-E-W-A-N-D-E-R. <laughs> Wait, I don't think that's right. <laughs> I don't even think that's right. <laughs> I think you did it right. Okay. <laughs> um, perfect. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. This was amazing. I'll probably have to come have you come back on for like a whole other slew of topics because I think we could talk all day. <laughs> I think so too. Dude, that would be, that would be awesome. And I... I'm super grateful that I had the chance to talk to you face to face. This has been really nice. Yes, me too. Thanks again. 
Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Fit for Hiking podcast. As always, I hope it leaves you feeling inspired and informed on how to take your health and adventure into your own hands. For more content like this, be sure to follow along with my daily posts at ponytail underscore on a trail. That's ponytail underscore on a trail. You can also stay up to date on my new episodes being released at fit underscore for hiking and find more free resources at ponytailonatrail.com. Happy and healthy trails.